Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Like so many disabilities, a brain injury is on a spectrum and can affect each individual in a unique way. For the purpose of this episode, I'll invite you to imagine you are the main character in a sci-fi film and you are completely wiped of your sense of self and memory. Where would you start when trying to rediscover who you are and where you fit into the world around you? What are your likes and dislikes? What are your memories and experiences that make you, you? Do those things inform who you are? Or are you just you in that moment now? I feel like that's one of the only moments that I remember my head being completely empty because I was looking around the room, but nothing was connecting with me. And that felt, I'd never felt like that before. And I didn't didn't really know what to do at that point because nothing around me was telling me what I was supposed to do next. We never expected that this would happen to us, but it's it's happened to us and we've accepted that it's happened to us and we've accepted that we're different people now. And But it's made me see the world uh, completely differently and I'm glad that I see a lot of things differently. But my life is more difficult in a lot of ways. Welcome to the final episode of this season of Divergent. You just heard the voice of my good friend Kashif, who I met in Glasgow, Scotland, through skateboarding in 2013 when I moved there from Aberdeen. Kashif is well known amongst other skaters in Glasgow as he is the most skateboarding obsessed and passionate person I've ever met. We connected through skateboarding, which led on to us connecting about music and ideas and ultimately being good friends. But I never would have guessed eight or so years after meeting, we'd be connecting through both having had a traumatic brain injury. For this episode, he and I spoke about our experiences with our invisible disabilities. Kashif and I wrote about our experiences in emails quite a while before recording this conversation. In this episode, Kashif and I will discuss how brain injury has thrown us into a process of putting our lives and our sense of selves back together again piece by piece. When I said things to you, I was so surprised that you said the same, the exact same thing back to me. So a lot of the things that I was saying, I thought, right, uh, yeah, these are lots of things that I felt and I've written them down. I've only shared them with a few people, but usually before I share them with someone, I think, oh, what are they going to think of me if I say this out loud? But as soon as I said the things to you, you just went, yeah, man, that happened to me too. (laughs) This is, yeah, yeah, that's like the exact same way I felt. I did this and I did this. Uh, So that that helped me out with it a lot too. And then with the, in terms of uh, disability, because I was told 
I was told by the people at the treatment center that I have a hidden disability and I didn't really know what that meant at that point. So then I started to read into that a lot more. So I do feel like that that is what I have and that's what we have. But it also makes you feel guilty because then you think, well, if I can still do all of these things, how can I be in the same category as someone who can't do all of these things? Uh, but that's that's that comes from other people, I think. That's pressure that you're putting on yourself that you don't have to put on yourself. But it's really hard to step away from that, I think. Yeah, and I think that's one that happens a lot with neurological disabilities, like things like brain injury, even spinal cord injury, like the one I've got. Um, and all sorts of other ones when they're quite on quite a large spectrum. And I think, I mean, I don't know, we can only speak from our own experiences, but it's definitely a thing that you, that you and I have both had where you think, well, okay, I have, maybe I have a little bit more access or a little bit more ability. So how does that mean? How do I identify under this kind of blanket word that we all fall under? And that's when I started to kind of understand it more as like a spectrum or, or a different experience. Um, and for me, brain injury was a big throw into that different experience of like, cause the, the spinal was pretty concrete. You can't move, you know? Uh, so with, with brain, it was, uh, very well in the early days before you understand spinal and stuff, but with brain, it was very like, this I don't know what's going on but it feels different yeah yeah that's I think that that's it's very strange as well because I remember almost everything before and after I hit my head but the one thing I can't remember is hitting my head and the doctors and all the professionals told me that I might never remember that or it could come back at one point but they think it won't so even when they told me that I had a brain injury, I didn't question it. I didn't ask what it meant or why it happened. They told me, you have a brain injury. So I just said, okay. So I just thought, okay, I have a brain injury now. That's what they've told me. And it was still very, very confusing. And I think it still, it still took a long time to understand what it meant. And like we said about the about categorizing yourself as being disabled because you look at it the way you looked at it before you had your injury, you don't really understand what disability means until you've seen it on the other side. And like you said, it's a whole spectrum. So you do feel guilty if you see, if I mean you, if I see everything you've been through and we've not been through the same things. So I think, how can I call myself the same thing as Callum calls himself? But really, that's only because I don't have enough of an understanding of it. And once you start to research it more and you understand it more, you realize that's not your own thoughts. That's just thoughts from other people that you're placing onto yourself. So I feel like once you start to understand yourself more, then it becomes easier. Yeah, I, I can relate to that. I think once you start to understand yourself more as okay like is this it's not really a comparative thing but it's just a thing where I'm having a different experience than what would be considered the norm even though there isn't one but 
you know, like the, the I guess the able-bodied aspect of like, oh, maybe I should do this in a slightly different way. And that's what makes me, well, me personally identify as having a disability or, you know, I have to go about things in a different way and think about things in a different way and interact with the world in a different way. Um, no, completely. I think, I think earlier on, I wouldn't have identified with that. But now that more time has passed, if someone asked me that question, then I would try and explain to them what I meant when I said that I had a dis- uh, hidden disability. And I think that I have to understand it more before I can explain it to someone else. Yeah. And I think it's a lot more, I mean, I mean, I kind of half had your experience, but so I'm much more interested to know what your experience is like, because I do have a physical one that was very visual because I was in a wheelchair for a long time. Um, but the invisible side, I, I think first off, I really struggled to accept myself more and it's a difficult one to come to terms with. And I I was really curious as well. One of the added pressures I thought of immediately when thinking about, you know, the things we'd spoken about was an invisible disability as someone in Scotland as well. And what comes along with the culture there. And then in someone heavily involved in skateboarding as well. And it's like both, things where you typically are not really supposed to talk about things as problems. Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> just, you know, like head down, work through it. Um, no, exactly. Exactly. Do, do you have I any think... good stories about like trying to explain like what, how things are different to anyone? I remember what, what people have said to me, throughout this entire time so it's been over two years now yeah but even when I was worried people would always look at me and say you're fine you're the exact same as you were before and in one way that made you feel all right because you thought right everyone else is accepting of this they think it's okay you were you were different for a little while but now you're you're the same as you were before but when people would say that to me at first, I would feel okay, but then afterwards, when I was alone again, then I would question everything again, because I didn't believe that I was the same as I was before. And I know a lot when a lot of people said that to me, they weren't they weren't meaning anything more by it. I think they were just happy to see that I was okay. So that was a way for them to say. No, it's cool. You're back to you're back to where you were, man. You're doing all the same things as you were doing before. So even as I started to be able to do more things that I did do before my brain injury, I still felt like I was doing them in a completely different way because I a lot of the things that I do now, I can't remember doing them before I hit my head. And that that's really hard to explain to people and I think it's very hard for people to understand what I mean when I say that so even with skateboarding I didn't skateboard for seven months and then I started skateboarding again started using my camera again but when I was going out skating I was doing the same tricks that I'd done before I hit my head 
but I couldn't really remember doing them before I hit my head. I knew that I knew how to do them and I wanted to do them, but I couldn't really remember where, where, where they came from. Do you know what I mean? I just thought, cool, I'm going to go and skate now. Yeah, so it's almost like feeling... That's That must have been like instinctively moving through something and feeling it before you even register it. And like finding yourself in that and being like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's it. Because you you're trying to put your life back together and a lot of what you think you, of yourself comes from other people. So whenever I would meet people, they would tell me stories of things that we did before. And a lot of the stories that they were telling, I couldn't remember them. But the way that they described me in the stories and the things that I did, I thought, okay, that's that's me. That's what I do. I didn't really think that I did do, do those things. But if everyone around me was telling me that that's what I was like, I thought, well, cool. I'm supposed to get back into doing all of these things. Right. But yeah. That, that was weird as well because a lot of the things that people were saying to me, I, I, I didn't feel any connection with. I felt like that's not me. I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do any of these things, but I felt like I had to do a lot of things because that's what people were expecting of me. Yeah. And that took a very long time to kind of understand in myself as well, because I think I was still searching for answers, but I didn't really know what I was searching for because everything was so confusing all of the time. The way you describe that is a much, it's like, realizing uh, of re-identifying with an image that other people have of you like you had that as a tool to kind of find like for landmarks or you know we talk about landmarks and different things to like find your way for me the things would be like uh like opening up an old uh jotter and like seeing a note and it would be like a band or like a song or like and i'd go and listen to it and immediately the memory wouldn't be like something the name or you know what I mean it would be like the feeling of what was happening at that time and it just felt familiar and then I'd be like oh that's me and it and it was like just this little accumulative process like that of just different things I remember like getting dressed in the morning and just being like is this like what do I like who where is this like do you know what I'm like just looking down and being like Is this even, and like, then you, you like see something that reminds you of like why that's there, like why you even have that to begin with. And then you, it's like a collage or something or like a little, like putting all the little pieces together that make up whoever is you. And I find yeah, it really funny though, like see these, the things we're talking about that pre-injury, right? You'd probably think like, those aren't the things that define someone. Those are just like interests or superficial things. But once you're there and once you 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 have that uh, brain, well, the brain injuries that we've had and you start, you, they're the first things you kind of look for that kind of give you that sense of where you sit. It's so, I find that so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's because even I remember when I was in the hospital for about a week and then my mum and my aunt picked me up from the hospital and took me back to my mum's house. And then 
my mum and my sisters, they said that you can you can stay here tonight. You can stay here as long as you want to. But when when I was there, I felt like I knew where I was, but I was looking around and I thought, I'm not supposed to be here. I have to go to my room. So I got dropped off at my house. I knew where my house was. I had my keys. And I opened the door and I brought my stuff in. And I remember sitting in my room. I sat on my bed and I... It's like I was looking around my room for clues as to what was going on. Yeah, but yeah. There, there was nothing. It, it, I feel like that's one of the only moments that I remember my head being completely empty because I was looking around the room, but nothing was connecting with me. And that felt, I'd never felt like that before. And I didn't, I didn't really know what to do at that point because nothing around me was telling me what I was supposed to do next. But I was also really tired then. So a lot of the time I would have these thoughts, but I would just go to sleep. So I slept a lot the first few months. But it was just so confusing. So I think when you did put that much stress on your brain and try and think about things, your brain just wasn't down for it. Yeah. It yeah. Like, 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 just let me rest. You know? yeah. like, I'm, not re- I'm not ready for this stuff yet. Uh, so yeah, I spent I spent a long time doing that because I think before before my brain injury, I would overthink all the time, and I think the consequences of that were different than now with having a brain injury. Overthinking can lead to other problems as well. So it's still, I because f- I remember when the the place that I went to the community trend treatment center for brain injury when I was speaking to them and they were trying to tell me that it's okay you know in time you're going to be able to move on and you're going to recover from this and I remember one of the people saying you will recover from your brain injury and I remember saying to them I don't think you ever recover from a brain injury and I think that the way that they said it was because they could see how worried I was. They were trying to reassure me. But what I was trying to say to them was, what I thought at that moment was that everything will always be different for the rest of my life now. I won't feel like one day, it's been 10 years now, and I think, okay, I'm okay now. I feel like you're going to keep, it's going to keep changing throughout the rest of your life. So I feel like it doesn't, it's the thing that happens to you, but then it's with you for the rest of your life as well. Uh, I find that really interesting that they said that recovered, like recovery from neurological injuries, as far as I understand it, I relate. Maybe people do view it as an end point and that's helpful to them. I don't know. Everyone's different, but for me, it's, it's a constant process, but being in that constant process makes you have to really engage with where you are each day and each time and each thing and I'm sure you've noticed this too with brain injury this was a big one it's like you catch yourself maybe in a conversation or going to put a note in your phone or something and you just it's there like what you were thinking the the thing that you wanted to access that memory or that thought or that thing is just right there when you wanted it and it's like whoa 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're like oh so it's it's on like it's coming back and then little things and like what i found too with the recovery stuff is like it's like reprogramming too like if you repeat something each day uh, like we'll speak about this a little bit more i know you've spoken about it but like reminders notes become like your best friend like writing notes yes. like sticking yes. them everywhere putting recording anything you wanted to record that night before you go to sleep so you wake up you see it and like all these little things the more you do them the more they just become automated but then you find i find myself remembering lots and lots of stuff but becoming very much a creature of habit because it's very that's like the the environment i've achieved managing that so it's more comfortable for me to like wake up at the same time go to the same cafe and order a coffee, the same coffee before I do anything else, because that's like the routine that's comfortable. And then I feel like I can build within that routine. And then you start questioning things like, is this something unique to a brain injury? Or is this just me coping? But there's that overarching feeling of difference. And yeah, completely. It's like carving an, like a a new head space (laughs) for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, man, because I still still get that feeling. I still have this thought in my head when I'm doing something, I wonder, am I just doing this? Am I doing this because I'm different now? Am I doing this because of my brain injury? Is this why I'm entering this situation like this? And that's, that's so difficult because you're putting so much pressure on yourself when you don't have to, but it's so hard to stop, to stop doing that. So even if I'm having a conversation with someone and they'll say to me, Oh, I remember when you used to do this and I'll laugh and go, and I don't remember that. I used to do that. (laughs) Yeah. But you think, wow. So is, if I don't remember doing that, would I, would I still remember it if I didn't have a brain injury? Because a lot of the times I say to someone, I say, I, I can't remember that. Everything's really fuzzy for me. And they go, oh, yeah, I don't remember that part of my life either. That's normal. You know, you don't remember things like that. And that confuses me a lot as well, because before I hit my head, I really cared about having a good memory. And I did a lot of things and I documented a lot of things. And I wanted to, uh, I could, if someone said to me, oh, we were at a spot and someone wants to film a trick and they would say, has this been done here before? And then in my head, I could go, this guy did this and this and this. And then that became more difficult when I got my brain injury because I felt a kind of pressure because I thought people would ask me these questions. They expect me to know the answer to these questions. So someone would ask me a question. And if I didn't know the answer, it wasn't a big deal. But to myself, I made it a big deal. I would get upset at myself and think, why don't, why don't I know this? I'm supposed to know this. People are expecting me to know these things. And that's that's really difficult as well because you don't have to be any of these things, but you just somewhere inside of you it's you're like, I have to live up to what people think I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Did that for you change your relationship to memory or like the value of memory in the sense of like is it important to remember 
like the name, like what's been done at that spot, like tricks, skateboard tricks that have been done at that spot? Or is it important to remember enough, like how you see, how you relate to that spot as a skateboarder to see what could be done then? Do you know what I mean? Like a, a memory in like, like how you said about like re, re, like doing tricks over and over and like feeling them out again. And it's like that memory is still there, right? The one, the, the yeah. feeling. And that for me, when with my brain injury, that I started to like move away from trying to worry about remembering names, dates, times, unless like in everyday boring, like kind of mundane stuff. But like when it came to like thinking or being creative and more like what that immersive experience was like. And then each time I'd go into more like the immersive experience, the feelings that were familiar from the past would come back. And is that similar for you? So like if you're at a spot, maybe you won't remember those tricks, but someone you might smell something or hear something and it reminds you of another time you were there and someone did something and then you'd remember the trick because it's more experience. Was that, was that how it was for you? It was, it was really difficult because I remember there were, there were places that I would go to and I would think, Oh yeah, I'm supposed to be here. I feel comfortable being here. But then there were other places that I would go to that just seemed so strange to me. But I know that I'd spent a lot of time there. And as 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 time moved on, a lot of the things did start to come back to me because I was doing a lot of the same things that I was doing before. But I think after after a while, I just stopped caring about a lot of things. I just thought, it doesn't really matter if you remember this or if you do this anymore. I just kind of... I think it was very freeing to stop caring about a lot of things, but it was also, it just felt really weird because I, I thought, wow, I've probably spent years of my life caring about this thing, but now I just don't care yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah. And you felt, it was good because you felt, you did totally feel free, but then you also felt bad because you thought, well, am I doing something wrong here? Am I supposed to be doing, am I supposed to care about this thing more than I care about it? And I think I still I still have that feeling with a lot of things. I still view, feel very confused by a lot of things because I think like we've spoken about before, even like music that you listen to, anything like things that you watched, you would watch them again or re-listen to records and think I don't feel anything from this anymore. And maybe that's just a normal part of life. And then that's again when you question: Is this just because? my life has changed or is it because of my brain injury? And I feel like so many situations you're still asking yourself that question and I can't, a lot of the times I can't tell which one it is. Yeah, I'm the same, I think. Um, But when something does come through from the past, it's like has this really strong pull and like power to it. Like when you do hear a piece of music and you're like, oh, wow, that reminds me of like, this thing and then you it's like you get that memory back and then that become you get you get like you get that back but it doesn't hold the same way it's like like you're saying like you're looking at memories instead of as part of you like from the outside it's kind of like a like the way i'd describe it is almost like a more mindful experience so you're like 
you know how they describe like mindful like the like that mindfulness stuff like the ones they do on the apps and stuff and they're like it's like clouds floating through the sky and you're like lying and watching the clouds and they're just thoughts it's kind of like seeing memories like that where you're like a not a part of them but apart from them and so you have to just no i guess the long way of saying is you, you have to start from scratch in some sense and like really start re-figuring out everything and like you said it's absolutely exhausting for me i i was the same as you like i was like well i i think i was just you know more focused on being in a wheelchair at the time but i was like i remember being in the brain injury unit and they took we'd see a speech therapist and different people would come and ask you questions and test if you could remember them. And I would just cheat by like writing them all in my phone and studying them like five minutes before they came because I was like, I don't know if this matters to me as much as like how I feel. And then the one, the thing that really shot at home was when I went to like a group and it was all the people in the brain injury unit together, all trying, all having coffee and the, the the purpose of the whole exercise was just for everyone to chat about the news or the weather or whatever. And watching how hard that was for everyone to do, like take turns or um, know like what, whether it was something they should say loudly or softly or angrily or sadly or, and uh, like if people were interested, not interested, if someone could manage like look their coffee and talking at the same time. And I was like, okay, this is very real. Um, and I need to take time to like be patient with this, you know, but uh, I was never, but what's interesting is I can speak to you about that. But at the time, any of my friends or anyone else, if they said, Oh, you, you know, you do have a brain injury. You might struggle. Like, I remember people saying to me, you have a brain injury. You're going to struggle with that. I was like, no, I don't. I don't. I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's because you spend, I think like a lot of the, a lot of the thoughts that we had, I think there was, there was like no base for a lot of the thoughts that you were having because again, you never really had something to relate it to. So when, when I would have a thought, and I would repeat it to myself, and then I would think, if I tell someone this, something bad will happen because they'll think they'll think differently. They're going to think differently of me, or they're going to think that I'm dangerous. So I just didn't tell people a lot of things for a while. And the first few months, I was still I was still very fatigued, and I couldn't. I was speaking much slower than I speak now. So the way that people reacted to me was different then. So they could see that I was really slow. So I remember that now when I talk, I just talk. But I remember that I would, I could hear myself saying the words inside my head. Like I was saying them to myself to double check them. And then I would say them out loud. Yeah, and when I explained that to people, they thought they they understood, but I don't think. But it was just such a strange thing for people to hear because 
they would go, yeah, I remember when you were like that. I remember when you were speaking really slowly. And, and I said, yeah, I can remember that too. And that feels really weird that you can, that you can remember yourself like that. And that, in a way, that's good as well, because then you can kind of, I guess, like your progress, you can see your progress because you think, wow, at this time I couldn't do this and now I'm doing this. But it also, it's really hard to understand because I can't, you know you were like that because you have a brain injury, but then you still start to question yourself and think, well, could you have done something differently then? Were you not trying hard enough? Were you maybe you weren't taking your medicine what were you you know there's something that you were doing wrong uh that's that I still do that all the time but I think it's happening less now because I think I've I've understood it a lot more and realized that a lot of the things are out of my control and I really don't know how long certain things will take to work because I I had no idea how long it was going to take for me to reach this point so I think like share, sharing things with people is difficult if you have an expectation, I think. Yeah, you're so, right. When I would say something to someone, if I would think, if you're looking for someone to reassure you or if you're looking for someone to go, just just give you something, I think that's, that's, that's really dangerous as well because then you're just going to be disappointed when they don't give you the reaction that you want. Yeah, I think so. So you have to... I guess like, you have to find the right people to speak to. And that might mean that you have to speak to a professional or you have to find other people that have been through the same thing as you or are going through the same thing as you. So when I first spoke to you about everything, I didn't, I didn't think that what we were going through was the same thing at all. I could see from what you were experiencing, I thought I can't. Uh, put myself in the same category as Calum at all. Like everything that's happened to him, that's not what's happened to me. But when I spoke to you, I realized that we were having a lot of the same thoughts and that that made me feel like you understood completely because you would just say something to me and I would just go, wow, that's, I've not heard someone say that to me before. That's so cool. That's amazing, man. I think it's through, like, my experience is up to there. Like, I've just becoming very frustrated with the clinical approach or, like, try, like you said, like, having expectations, maybe trying to, like, hoping for something back and, like, looking for either professionals or people who you know around you to give that back to you and being disappointed it made me become very blunt. I think when speaking about my brain, brain injury, especially, uh, and also having to communicate with support workers. That was a big one trying to be like the big one for me was we kept leaving the house and we'd get somewhere and I wouldn't, I'd need to go to the toilet and I have to use a catheter to go to the toilet and we wouldn't have any because I'd forgotten to pack them because i was thinking about the the, the, as you'll know like when you have three things to manage juggle it's very hard like when you're thinking okay i gotta go to this appointment i gotta make sure i got this food in my bag i gotta make sure i got my keys my wallet my phone and you leave and then you get to the whatever you're supposed to be and then you have to just come immediately back home because there's no catheters in your bag and you have to pee um and me having to I, you know, I just suffer that for a long time and blame it on myself. Oh, Callum, you need to do better. And then I started to be like, 
right, okay, before we leave, you need to make sure as part of my support that I have catheters in my bag. And the guys would catch on to that eventually and they started doing it, reminding me, reminding me, reminding me. Now, anytime I go near the front door, I automatically check. So it was like building like that routine and relearning. And so now looking back, I could be like, oh, you know, it's not that big a deal. My brain injury is okay. It's manageable. But you don't, you forget about those different steps along the way. And I think those different steps along the way make you be more rash. So when I think where I'm getting with this is when I got to the point of communicating with you about it, I was very like, (laughs) to the point, like, yeah, this is how it is for me, you know? Um, Because I I feel like that kind of embarrassment or shame or um, uncertainty falls away very quickly when you're forced into certain situations like that where you, you have to voice your needs to get what you need. No, that that's it. Because like you say, you feel the embarrassment and the shame. That's It doesn't go away for a long time because you're still... Because comparing yourself to other people is always dangerous but you're automatically doing that when you're in this situation. So I remember at the treatment center, they said to me, they said, you're further ahead than what we thought you would be. And they were, they were really surprised at my progress and the way that I was. And they were really happy. And they said, this doesn't usually happen. And then they said that a lot of people uh, that they treat don't have the same support system as I have. They don't have the same life that I have. And it can be difficult for just depending on what your circumstances are. So at that point, I felt good that my life was moving on. But then I also felt like, well, there's so many other people that also have a brain injury. Why is it okay that we're all we all have the same thing as each other. Do you know what I mean? Unless you, obviously we all have brain injuries, but everyone's, it depends on your own life. It's specific to everyone. But I thought if I can recover from it in this time and I'm further ahead of what you thought, what am I doing that's different than what other people are doing? And also it's not their fault. It's not their fault that they haven't recovered in the time that you thought they were going to recover. So you start to question yourself even more. So when they did say, yeah, you're further ahead than we thought you would be, then I would think, oh, maybe maybe this brain injury isn't that bad. Maybe I'm just being lazy. And I'm, yeah, and I'm just making excuses for everything. So sometimes I would wake up and I would think, I don't want to do this today. Is that just because I can't, I can't be bothered today? Or has that got something to do with my brain injury? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's the... That's so difficult to kind of to gauge because you really don't you really don't know which one it is, and it's all it almost seems like a, a waste of time to figure out which one it is because you think why would you need to why do you need to know that you know I had a really <laughs> funny one. Um, I was a, I've been going to yoga as part of my like spinal cord injury thing. Like I just started going to a regular class, and because it's because it's an able bodied class. Um, the guy, the the instructor, it's Ashtanga, so it's not like one-to-one, it's like a group. And he was like, 
oh, why do you always bring the bit of paper with all the poses in? And I was like, oh, I actually have a brain injury as well, which was awkward to say, I felt. And um, so it might take me a little bit longer to remember the sequences and the poses. And he was like, well, when I speak to you and when I see you, I don't see someone with a brain injury. I see like a highly intelligent young man. And I I know he meant that as a compliment and, or like, like you were saying before about people being like, oh, you're just the same. Like they mean well by it. But what it, it put me in this spiral of like, if I identify with having this disability or this injury and in order to accommodate it, the deeper I go into that and identify with it, am I, because it's invisible, am I actually perpetuating it and making it worse by becoming more like accommodating of it? Or do I dissociate from it because it's not visible, pretend it's not there, just have a harder time and, and blame it on other things. And I was like, I don't, really feel that it would be very helpful to just start to not see myself as having that but at the same time I don't it's important not to define myself by that and I think there's a difference and I think that with invisible disability for me that was a point at which I was like oh maybe that's where people struggle a little bit. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. To not like, I mean, people from the outside, able-bodied people. So I think because when 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 they said that, like you say, they were meaning well to think, no, 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 you're not. But that's, I think that you sometimes you're not that angry at someone. You're just hurt because you think they see the other thing as a negative. So when you say that you think if I say to someone, Oh no, I, I, this is difficult for me because I have a brain injury and they go, no, 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 you don't man. Like yeah, yeah, you do, but you're fine now. You're fine now. As if that's a really bad thing that you're supposed to get away from and get rid of. And obviously there are a lot of people when they're saying that they're not meaning it like that, but then that makes you feel sad in yourself. Cause then you think, Oh, this is, People don't want to hear about this thing. This is like a bad thing to people. So maybe, like you said, maybe I shouldn't say it out loud anymore. So for a while, as more time passed, I just stopped talking about it. With a lot lot of people in my life, I've been very open and regularly spoken to them about everything. And I've been very lucky that I've been able to do that. But then as more time passed, when I would meet newer people, I just wouldn't say anything to them and they they didn't see me any differently and 
it felt good for me as well because I thought I don't have to explain myself to anyone. But then it also felt like I'm letting other people down that also have a brain injury. Maybe I'm supposed to talk about this more because that's not fair that it can just be dismissed so quickly. So then again, that's you putting, that's all this external pressure that you put on yourself that you don't need to, but I still felt like, no, this is a real thing that's happened to me. And maybe other people don't see it like that, but I can't not speak about it. I have to still let people know that this is what's going on. Sometimes not just for, not just so that they can understand. I think sometimes it's just for yourself to say, I said that today. You know, you just kind of feel like, well, you're convincing yourself of it as well at the same time, I think. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I think that's such like a tightrope that uh, you walk, um, especially I'd imagine you'd experience it a lot as a, a guy in Scotland and skating. And for me, I've had to find that I have to adjust how much I say based on the context and who I'm interacting with. So I have to say with brain injury that, you know, we, you know, we're talking about like the the burden side of it in terms of like, you're always reflecting and it eats away at you a little bit. That is one of like the privileged sides of it compared to my friends who do have very visible disabilities. Like even like without, without a brain injury, you just want to be understood even I feel like everybody feels that sort of way that they want other people just to get what they're saying and they don't want to have to ex- keep explaining things. They just feel like if I say something, I just want you to get it. But then with your brain injury, it just, it's so much more difficult because you're que- you're questioning everything yourself anyway. So even if someone does respond, you're still going to question their response because you can't tell you just can't tell what's real with a lot of things. So I feel like after after a long time, I just thought it doesn't really matter if people understand what I'm saying because I just have to I just have to keep moving forward. And then I think what what helped me a lot once I started to piece more of my life together was that I remember from my life because because of my race, because I'm not white, I was always treated differently. And there were always things that I felt that I wanted to say or things that I would say that other people wouldn't understand. So what I started to do was think about my brain injury in the same way now and in the way that it's it's completely inside of me. And unless I speak to someone who's been through the same thing as me, they won't understand. So when I speak to someone else who's experienced racism, we can just connect on it. And I won't have to say, I won't have to delve further into it. They'll just go, yeah, man, I remember that happened to me. This is always what happens. This is how I felt. So then I started to relate that to the brain injury more where I went, I can't, I can't expect everyone to understand this because they don't have the experience of it. So whenever I say something to you, even though we've not been through everything in the same way, 
I'll just say one word to you or a sentence and you can just go, oh, yeah, man. And then you can just like give me like a full example and say, I've actually I've actually thought about this for a long time as well. So I think I think thinking about things, thinking about my brain injury, the way that race and racism is affecting my life. I feel like those two things that really helped with it, where it kind of got to a point where I was like, this is you're going to experience racism for the rest of your life but you're also going to experience your brain injury for the rest of your life. And people are not ever going to, a lot of people will never understand and they just won't care either. But that's just the way that your life goes. So that, that helped me a lot. I feel. Maybe I should think about more like how I experience the world and why someone might experience it differently. Yeah. It's, it's, I think, cause you do, you just want, I think a lot of the times when when you are trying to explain to other people, it's also just because you want a solid answer to things and there isn't really a real answer to a lot of things. And a a lot of the answers for us don't come in one moment. It's it's like over months or years that things start to make sense. But it's like you're just searching for like an absolute answer to things. But it just doesn't it just doesn't exist really. Um, so that's that's really hard to to maneuver around as well because even though because when you speak to when you speak to doctors about this, they'll say they know they know so much about what a brain injury is, but they don't because they've not had a brain injury, and so a lot of the things that you would say because I remember saying to a doctor that my head hurts and they said it doesn't you're imagining that your head hurts oh no and i said well okay because i i i know where i hit my head but i don't remember hitting my head but i remember always holding my head because i felt like i could feel something happening and they would always say that's that's not happening you're just imagining that that's it just happens and i thought well cool right maybe you're right but why have you just said that to me as if that's that's where it ends for me that I just go to you hey this is what I'm feeling and then you say you're just imagining that why would I then tell you what else I'm feeling because I'm now afraid that you're just gonna say yeah no you're just you're just imagining that man like that's not really what's going on I really wanted to ask you about when I was in the brain injury unit they got me to do this a, this thing called a neuropsych assessment and it like uh-huh. basically tells you how severe it is because for me i just had no oxygen going to my brain for a really long time because i lost all my blood in my body um so they didn't know they they didn't know like i'd whacked my head as well but they didn't know like how severe it would be or like how like kind of what you were describing how the recovery would be um i think they thought it would be a lot more severe and so they do this assessment and I remember sitting with the guy and he's going like count backwards in increments of three from the number 70 or something. And I'm wow. like, I'm, I'm really sorry, but I just don't feel motivated to answer this question at all. I just, I'm in uh, inpatient. I've been here in the hospital for four months. I don't know where I'm going to live. I don't know where I'm leaving. I don't know how I'm going to get a job. Uh, and then they'd be like, 
look for this to work you really need to just answer the question yeah yeah i was like i started to then again like we were saying before like question like is this a symptom of my brain injury or is this a symptom of my emotional experience of getting a disability i think that what this this is this is one of the strangest things that's ever happened to me as well when when i had my brain injury i i couldn't work so the i was told to apply for benefits and that was that was really difficult because again you questioned yourself because you thought do do i deserve this should i just be I'm okay. I, they said that I could have died, but I didn't. So does that mean that I'm just supposed to get on with things now? So it was a very long process and it took a long time for them to believe me and for me to receive money. And when I did start receiving the money, they didn't give me everything that I was entitled to. It took months after that for them to go, oh, yeah, kill you should get all this money too and then they backdate some money but then there's an extra benefit that you can apply for so I applied for that as well but you have to have a face-to-face interview oh is this for a personal independence payment yes yes so my sister my youngest sister she went with me and before we went and she said to me be careful because they watch you from the moment that oh. you go into the yeah. door. They ask you, they, did they ask you, like, how did you get here? Yes, yeah, everything. And they're watching to see. They said, so my sister said, don't even open the door. I'll open the door. Because if they see you opening the door, they'll ask you how you can open a door. No, yeah, and yeah. I remember. <laughs> yeah, so I went, I went in and then we're sitting in the waiting room and I was looking around and then I made some jokes with my sister and she said, stop it. They're going to see you smiling <laughs> and laughing. And she said, no, you can't have that. And then they, they took me they took me into the room and the, there was a woman that was, uh, she was leading the interview. And then there was another woman there taking notes at the side. And then they started to ask me all these questions. And then they said, how long can you walk before you have to stop? And other questions like that and I didn't really know how to answer any of them because in my head I was thinking I can do this but I can't do this but if I say I can do that I won't get any help so that means that I'll have to lie and then I said I can't lie to them that's not okay so I didn't lie to them but at the same time I knew if I tell them the truth they're not going to help me yeah yeah they did didn't like they didn't like my answers so then they placed a piece of paper on the table and they said can you fold this piece of paper in half oh my god yeah and when they they looked at me and said can you fold this piece of paper in half so in my head i thought i can fold this piece of paper in half but what if i don't what if i fold it in a different way then i'm lying and I'm making this up. So there's so much pressure on yourself because if you tell the truth, you go home with nothing. If you lie, you might get something. 
but then it's not okay what you've done. So I just, I looked at the paper and I, I took, it was maybe a few seconds and, I, and then in my head I'm thinking, no, just do it. So I folded the piece of paper in half properly and then I gave it to them. And they said, yeah, this is just an old test that we do to check if you're okay. And that, and I don't really remember anything else in the interview. And that's the thing that always stood out to me. And then I was rejected for the, for the tip. Yeah. And then I thought, is that because I folded a piece of paper in half? Is that why? Did that prove to you that I'm okay? I know it's a point scoring system on PIP. So that's why, that's what they look for. They look to give you points, right? Um, And if if you got public transport to your appointment, you get so many points. If you can open the door yourself, you get so many points. But folding the paper, that must be high up there on the points. (laughs) <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't believe it and then I remember that I told I told the the people at the treatment center and I said yeah I said I could have lied to them but I didn't lie to them but why did they t- tell me to fold this piece of paper in half and I can't I can't remember what it was that they said but they said I think I can't remember if they said that was an old dementia test and they said but it's not it's like an outdated test i don't know why they did that they shouldn't have done that that's so strange normally they tell you for those for those like appointments they said they used to always say to me and like i i actually didn't do this but still my disability because it's very physical as well was severe enough to get access to those benefits but they tell you like you're supposed to say what you are on your worst day and I was always in conflict with that because I was like, but I don't want to present myself as someone on their worst day. I want to present myself as who I am at my best. And it was kind of a similar thing. But your one sounds like some sort of like absurdist drama or something like a play. No, 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 completely, totally. Because you think you can't, you can't make this stuff up. And I thought like in that moment, I thought, well, Imagine, I think I'll be, I'm going to, I'm going to get by okay if I don't get the help from them. But other people who really, really do need that help, they're probably being rejected too. And if it's because of how they fold a piece of paper, I can't believe that this is okay. Like that they're professionals and this is how they get through with people and I saw people there and again that's just me guessing when I looked at them and I thought wow you need this more than I do but again I feel like that feeling is also wrong for me to look at things like that because everyone even everyone with a brain injury so obviously all the people there they I didn't know what reason they were there for everyone has their own thing but like we said, even with a brain injury, everyone has their own, uh, you know, someone can have it more severe than you have it. But it doesn't mean that that they should get money and you don't get money. Everyone is still supposed to get help. But I still feel like everyone should, I feel like words should be more accurate with things sometimes. So we, I feel like I wasn't told, 
I wasn't told enough specific stuff about what happened to uh, my brain and like what and other words to kind of explain it to me more. Right. Maybe okay. that's because I didn't I didn't ask for more information, maybe, or they felt like they didn't need to really say that. So I feel like that's that's really important so that people can understand exactly what they're going through themselves. Yeah, I think it's it's still because um, I, I think I told you before that I um, there's there's a charity here called Headway, and I'd I'd not heard of them before my brain injury, and I was told about them uh, in the hospital. So I I remember I looked at their website and uh, my sisters, they researched it for me as well. And they said, no, this place is going to be really good for you. You should go and speak to them. So I made an, I made an appointment to go and speak to them. And then the person, the person that I met there, he, he was leading some classes there and he'd, he'd had a brain injury himself. And he was the first person that I met that also had a brain injury. So that was the first time I was speaking to someone else that had a brain injury. And when when I spoke to him, that was the first moment when I felt like I didn't have to uh, hide anything and I didn't have to think about what I was saying, like think about the what, what he's going to think of me. So we sat down he made he made his tea and then we just sat down and we started talking and then I just told him everything and he just turned around to me and he just said yeah man that's it I I had that same feeling this many years ago he said it took me about five years to kind of get on with things and at that point I thought wow this this works you have to find other people that have been through this and they'll be able to speak to you and they will understand how you feel when other people were dismissive of you. So that that helped me a lot because I just thought, wow, he's he's been through this. He said that uh, he, I can't remember, he was studying, he was studying neurology now. Oh, I think wow. he was going to get a PhD. Whoa. And he said that he... I didn't know if he, I can't remember if he started the studying before he hit his head or after, but that's what he was doing. He was doing uh, all his own work into it and he'd been working with uh, a lot of people at the at the charity. And I thought that was amazing because I thought, man, he's been through this and now he's helping other people that are going through this again now himself. Uh, I never... I think I emailed with him, but I don't. I never got to see him again. I think he left the charity as well. But I think even just that one, that one meeting with him just helped me so much. It's so it's so reassuring because you just want to, you just want to be able to say what you're thinking without being judged. You know, it's such a simple thing, but it's so it's so scary because you every time you're about to say something, you think. Oh uh, no! People think differently of me now, or maybe I won't be allowed to do something anymore because of what I've just said. Yeah, so... I used to think that a lot. I used to think that, like, if I say that, will they put me on a different medication? Yeah, yeah. But the 
emotional relationship, that's the one I just needed to do myself and really work hard at. Um, mm-hmm. That wasn't one that I could just write something down on a bit of paper to remember. Writing, writing stuff down is... Uh, I had a very weird relationship with writing stuff down because at first we we were told that that's going to be part of our life now we're going to have to use writing aids we're going to have to do all these things so at first I thought no I'm I'm going to be okay I won't need I won't need these things I'll just be able to get through things but then every day I would forget things and like you said like you would just leave your house but you didn't have everything that you needed with you so I would leave the house a lot and then I would be outside then I would look in my bag and the stuff wasn't there and I'd forgotten all of this stuff and then I'd go back home and I would get the stuff then I would go back out again and then and then I started to just I just had to be straight up with myself and go yeah man like you can't you keep forgetting things just start start writing just start writing them down so then I started to write them down but then you felt embarrassed because you thought okay that's fine if I write them down and I see them but I can't let other people see oh them. yeah so yeah the people, list yeah yeah, yeah. Like, I start I take them yeah. off the walls and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's like if I let other people see this then they'll think oh we can't trust this guy to do this because he doesn't he can't remember that stuff so then then you're doing this thing in secret that doesn't need to be done in secret. And you're, you're, you're making such a big deal out of it. And you keep thinking, no, 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 I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. And then I would say like, oh man, what if someone sees my notebook in my bag? What if they see something? <laughs> and then you're like, what? It, does, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they see it. And I think, no, but someone won't ask me to, um, film them doing, doing a trick on their skateboard. Cause they think I can't, do stuff properly so that i have to hate this from everyone yeah yeah like what if they don't hit me up to come out filming because they think i'll forget to get the clip yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. what if they would they miss that try yeah so it's like that's it's it's good that we can like there's lots of things that you look back at and you feel really sad about but I uh, like with things like this, you can you can laugh at yourself and go, "What were you doing? <laughs> why, why did you feel like you had to do that?" But I think I really, I really did think that because I thought, "Man, what if like I, I'm not like emotionally, I'm not right, I'm not reacting to a lot of things the way I'm supposed to. A lot, I've lost feeling for a lot of things. But then, what if I if I write this down and someone else sees it? Will they think that I don't like them anymore? Will they not want <laughs> to talk to me anymore? So, <laughs> so you just yeah, you, you you just you go in this spiral, don't you? You're like, what am I doing, man? Why am I doing this? I think it's almost like you had the fear of like having the notebook in your bag. You needed to have it in secret, like in a locked safe or something. No, 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 exactly. And then you would just like. Because that I think that that's so much of uh, so much of your brain injury is completely linked to what other people are going to think about you, and that's so it's so hard to let go of because it, it can be dangerous because you can just say, "Well, I don't care at all," and I think there's a difference between not caring and just giving up. Almost, do you know what I mean? Because I think like a way like. A way that I got through everything was to relate a lot of things back to skateboarding. 
everyone skates in their own way. Everyone's got their own things that they're good at. Everyone's on their own level. So I think that if you can kind of treat your life like that as well and say, well, even before my brain injury, I wasn't doing the same things as this person was doing. I did the things the way that I wanted to do them. And I was satisfied with these things. So then I try and think like that more now as well and think, well, these are the things that I want to do and I feel happy with these things and I need to work on these things. So then you kind of like start to accept it for yourself more. With Just with time, I think things will make a lot more sense. I feel like even though it's been two years, it's not, it's not a long time at all, really. No, I'm two years next week. So I think like, like if you think about how much of your life you've lived before that, two years is not much in the whole time that we've been alive. So I feel like it's when we're much older, if we're lucky enough to be older, then I feel like we'll, we'll understand things a lot a lot more and I maybe a lot of things won't matter as much when we're older as well I feel like that that's a good thing as well because you'll be able to let go of a lot of it it won't it just won't matter uh, as much but I still feel like you oh that that's how I feel about it is, is that it's changed it's changed everything in my life I didn't we never expected that this would happen to us no but it's it's happened to us and we've accepted that it's happened to us and we've accepted that we're different people now and but it's made me see the world uh completely differently and i'm glad that i see a lot of things differently but my life is more difficult in a lot of ways but that's that's okay because i can't control that uh but i feel like i've benefited in a lot of ways from this happening. Litmus Media. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.